Hi, and welcome to the Beham Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, here with Emmett, and we are going to break down week six in college football. Before we get rolling on that, though, Emmett, uh, MLB playoffs have been going on. Uh, let's see, Phillies took down, we talked about this, I think, on last week's podcast, kind of reviewed some of this, but mm-hmm. you know, Phillies took down the Marlins, they're playing the Braves, they beat the Braves 3-0 in game one. What were Give me your thoughts on that, and then I want to go into something like totally different, like along yeah. the lines. But but go ahead. I just feel like the Phillies have a huge advantage for this series, and they it seems like this always happens. Not only are they playing off momentum because they just won the wild card, yeah, that helps a lot, especially yeah. with bats. Yep. But they also get an extended break, not like huge, but a bigger break than what they would have because they won in two games. Yep. So their pitching gets better, and now they're getting another break after game one because they have to travel to Philly, I believe. So they get another break for pitchers. And then, you know, if you're not if you live under a rock, the Braves have two pitchers. Really one and a half because they're not that good. <laughs> like we're low on pitching this year. Yeah, it's not a strength of the Braves, and that was kind of what everybody thought. It was like, dude, their hitting was so unbelievable throughout the season that you were just like, Man, this is great, but everybody you always ask whenever it's a team that's like relying on hitting, like, but can they pitch? Can they pitch? And because that's what counts in the playoffs. I mean, it just yeah. that's what it comes down to. Or just how long is the hitting going to last? What if you get into a slump? Right. If you hit a cold spell, you got to have pitching. Like pitching typically doesn't hit a cold spell. Maybe you might have one bad game yeah. from one guy, but you know, usually the rest of your rotation. It's also not together. contagious. Like good pitching. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't like contagious. Bad pitching is not contagious. Well, it also, I mean, there's a lot of things too. Like if you have. Bad pitching for one game, it can, or if you have, sorry, if you have good hitting for one game, it can reap you benefits down the road. Because if you get into a bullpen and then, yeah. you know, you start wearing out their pitchers yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But pitching is just sort of, I mean, you're either on or you're not. Yeah. You know, I mean, outside of that scenario where maybe you just run out of arms. Yeah. You know, if you've got, that's good really pitching, the only scenario in which, you know. But even then, if you've got pitching depth, yeah. you've got a and guy the that goes. You know, the Phillies six, have seven innings. pitchers in yeah. the bullpen. Not only that, um, you know, that's where it goes back to, like, the cold spell. Yeah. The Braves didn't had a bye because we're the best team. Yeah. So, so you've the had bats all these got days cold. Of, yeah, absolutely. The bats get cold, and that's exactly it what It happens every, every year in every sport to some team yeah. that's had, a, you know. You, a, you always say the term, I hope they don't didn't get hot too early. Yeah. Um, I've said it with the Braves, like, six times this year. Um, but another thing I noticed during the game was I'm so tired of seeing players like Acuna and Riley. I love them, but they were swinging for the fences in times where it was like, we just need a base runner right now. Yeah. I remember we had a guy on first and third. I think we had no outs and we had three straight strikeouts and it was from people swinging for the fence. It's like, dude, just hit a pop up. Yeah. Like you don't need to hit it out. Just get on base. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I mean, the old school baseball of like you know playing for base hits seems like it's kind of gone away. It felt like it kind of came back a little bit this year with some of the no shift rules and some yeah. of those type things, sort of you know stealing bases, all that kind of stuff. But um, but my here so here's my big issue, and, the, and like I got to thinking about this on the way home today. So I don't like. I was thinking about the Braves and the Phillies. I don't like that there are all of these additional wild card teams and playoff teams in every sport now. Oh yeah. It, you, 
it completely devalues the regular season. Even in college football, like, I'm not a huge fan of the 12-team playoff because I think it just devalues the regular yeah. season. And people say, oh, well, it's the second season, and it's like, the reason you like the playoffs is because it's one and done. Yeah. Right? That's what the regular season was for college yeah. football. It was one and done. And I agree. Every with, game mattered. Yeah, I agree with you. I guess the only reason I'm excited for the 12-team playoff in college football yeah. is because I desperately want Auburn to be able to host a playoff game because I think it would be nuts. Oh, I, I, but that that's a totally different. That's you like a do. personal bias thing there. I, I like the four-team playoff. I think, you know, I think if you were to expand it in college football, six teams would be probably ideal. Yeah. And But if I were to do that, and we talked about this on an earlier one, and we've talked about this before, I would do all, right, all the Power Five conferences. you got to figure out something with Pac-12 now. But all the Power Five conferences, and then one at-large bid. Yeah. And then you just go from there. Yeah, and like then that way, or yeah, yeah, that way your conference championships matter. You know, the bowl games, like all yes. that kind of stuff starts to come back into play. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but the wild card, yeah, the wild card's name will be... I really hate them. I've also seen that somebody say like they should just do a reseeding after wild cards. The Braves should not be playing the Phillies right now. Yeah, we are the best team in baseball. Why are we having the hardest matchup? Yeah, series one. That's insane. That's true. Um, personally, I think it should be one wild card for each. You know, American League, National League. Yeah, that would be perfect. I I, th- I agree with one wild card. I mean, the NFL's done it. They've expanded their playoffs to where now you know. And if you have half a pulse, you can get in. And then, you know, it's just, uh, I don't know. If you break even, you can get in. And it w- I think I like the baseball wild card because I feel like it used to be a one-game thing, right? Well, so... It used to not be a series. Last year, yeah. Last year, it was a one-game series. Whoever was the... Whatever division had... um. Actually, the the wild card and then the second wild card had to play in a single game series. Yeah, and whoever won that sit, whoever won that game, Advanced. became basically became the wild card. So I liked. Okay, then I'm thinking of something different. In 2012, the infield fly game. Yeah, that was a wild card game. Yeah, that was a one game thing. Yeah, that game was the most intense game I've ever been a part of. Yeah, almost in any sport you could say. But I've been an Auburn fan, so there's been some intense games, but. Most intense baseball game by far. Right. Like, there were fights breaking out in the stands. It was yeah. awesome. Um, I want, like, these wildcard games, like, there's so many of them that it's like, you really haven't done anything special. So it's, yeah. it can't be that intense. I I mean, I, I just, that I, I think it just devalues the regular season, especially in baseball where you've already played 162 know, games. Oh, my gosh. What's it worth? I know. These, how are the players alive? <laughs> Well, I mean, again, I mean, really, like, really, though, it's like you've played 162 games. I think we've played enough to figure yeah. out, like, Who's who the, the top teams yeah. are. Like, yeah, you've done literally everything you could do to determine who belongs in the playoffs. Right. Um, we have given you multiple opportunities. <laughs> multiple. To show yourself. You even get a lot, or a, whatchamacallit, halfway through. Yeah, you get a break. A break, but you also get a, a signing day. Another. Oh, yeah, yeah, thing. you get, yeah. What, is, what do you call it? The trade, a trade, trade deadline, deadline. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you still get a chance, to like improve your team, right? Through money, midway through, and come make a comeback. It you have every opportunity to prove yourself during the regular season. It it doesn't make sense, and it's very frustrating. Um, 
that that was it's just something I was thinking about on the way home yeah. um, today uh, when I was thinking about the the Phillies and the Braves. We talked about it earlier, and um, just a little a little irritation of mine there. So. I'll tell you something else. Um, I hate the pitch clock in playoff games. Hate it. Yeah, I don't know if we've talked about that, but I don't. The pitch clock deal. To me, what they should have done with that, even all season, was you have the pitch clock up through seventh inning. Yeah. Right? And then eighth, ninth inning, no pitch Free clock. Rank. Because it, it, I guess in my, I, I think about not even like a reliever, but I think about Nolan Ryan in his you know seventh you know no-hitter that he yeah. threw. I'm sure he took more than 25 seconds to get on the mound for those last couple batters. Man, even if you're just throwing a complete game, like if you've thrown, like you're not throwing like a no hitter or a perfect game. Yeah. You're not only tired, but you're also like, you've thrown a lot of pitches. So they've seen everything now. Right. So you got to think, okay, how am I going to outsmart this batter? There's a lot of strategy going on. You got to use pace. You got to use all these. Yeah. Yeah. You can change your pace. There's so many different things that go on in a pitcher's mind in between every single pitch that late in a game. Right. That the pitch clock is, it kills you. Yeah. And, you don't really see complete games anymore that often. No. And I don't blame coaches for that because it's like, dude, I'm just trying to get through the bullpen now right, because right. this guy's going to get tired and he doesn't have time to get tired. I just – I don't like the pitch clock. I really don't like it in the regular season, but I understand there's so many games. But I really hate it in the playoffs. Yeah. I really hate it in the playoffs. Yeah. There's so many intense moments. Uh, as far as, like, you know, you see the – you're looking in the pitcher's eyes and it looks like – He's about to like take down this dude. It's the ninth inning. There's two outs. You're like, oh my gosh, what's he gonna throw? Yeah. You don't get that with the pitch clock. It's like he's on the mound. Let's go. Let's yeah. Go. Like bang bang. No, I hear you. Um, no, I, I definitely agree. I, I think I think that there's a lot of rule changes. MLB went through a bunch of rule changes this year. We talked about that with college football. College football had a bunch of rule changes. It feels like the sports all over the place are just well, they're all just trying to like be max efficiency for the tv yeah and it's like man what about the people that are going to the games like that's who you should go to first that's who you should be catering to first if i go to a baseball game i want it to be three hours long because i just spent a lot of money on this ticket well i also think you know it's a billion dollar industry already like you don't at some point the growth does stop like there's only so many eyes that can watch (laughs) i know you know and maybe some years you have good years, and maybe some years you have bad years. Yeah. That's just how it goes. I guess the the pitch clock rule did help. I mean, it they, helped. they saw like a big increase in numbers this year. I'm sure. I think it was three times the amount. I couldn't watch because um, MLB doesn't like for normal people yeah, to watch. That's unless a you whole have a, another topic. Yeah. The commissioner of baseball hates baseball. Yeah, he does. And wants everyone else to hate baseball. I, I just hate all that. I mean, that was that was like the international game. I think we talked about it last week on it was only on ESPN Plus. Yeah. The international NFL yeah. game. The first NFL game this season in London. You could only see it on NFL Plus or if you watched the Toy Story version of the game on Disney Plus, which so was stupid. stupid. I did watch part of it cuz I was that <laughs> desperate, but you know, I just thought, why are you limiting your viewership? I don't know. The whole it, point of this is to get eyeballs on it. it. Like, I wish there was a way that I could, like, speak to everyone in America and be like, cancel all your subscriptions. Yeah. And they will freak out and they will have to put it on just yeah, the cable. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, That's the way to go. I know. I like YouTube TV. Like, it's 
pretty good. YouTube TV has been pretty good for us. So we, we, we enjoy it too. You can take it anywhere you want to go. You can do anything you need with it. Um, that's our promo for YouTube TV. YouTube, give us some money for that. Um, so, uh, anyways, that was my spiel on baseball. Just my, my, my one, I guess, uh, shower thought or, or, you know, windshield thought that I had um, earlier today. Uh, but hey, here on today's show, we are going to have a special guest. Uh, one of our friends, uh, Al, is going to be joining the show here in just a bit. Um, so we'll get him uh, tuned in here um, to give us his thoughts. Al's a, a Bama grad, and um, so he's going to give us his thoughts from uh, from their side of the state and, and their point of view, especially after this weekend's game yeah, it was uh, that they win. had against Texas A&M. That was a huge win for them. Yeah. Uh, they they look like they improved on a lot of aspects of the game that we were talking about. Hey, you need to improve on. Yeah, still some things I need to work on. Um, but it's a huge win just for momentum, at least. I I think it feels like Alabama has at least sort of um, stopped all the talk yeah. for now of Saban retiring and yeah. I mean, it looked pretty dire. Well, he started yelling. He did, he did. The fact that he started yelling, I was like, all right, maybe he is still... I think that calmed him. some folks down. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk more about that one when Al joins the yeah. show here in just a bit. But um, first game of the day uh, was LSU and Missouri, and I, I kept an eye on that game. Uh, Missouri really started out. I mean, they were up 22-21-7 at one, at one yeah. point. Um, I saw that. because I was trying to focus on the Red River shootout. Yeah. So... I flipped over to Missouri LSU. Missouri mm-hmm. was up twenty-two to seven. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, Missouri's going to win this one." Yeah, because it was like late in the second quarter. Yeah, so I turned that one off, and then later to come to find out, LSU has won the game, forty-nine thirty-nine. I yeah. really don't know what happened. Like, I haven't even seen a highlight from that game. So, so what happened was, uh, yeah, so they were up twenty-two to seven. LSU uh, makes a field goal, uh, then they're able to get the ball back. Um, and uh, score another touchdown to make it 22-17. to 17. And then Missouri's able to kick a, a late field goal in the first half to make it 25-17. So 25-17 at halftime. LSU, you're really technically down only by one score. Yeah. And, a, you know, touchdown and two-point conversion. LSU comes out. They get a field goal uh, to start the drive. Um, I think they then got a pick or a fumble. Um, got the ball back. They scored a touchdown. Make it twenty-seven to twenty-five, um, and then from that point on, it was a back and forth game. Yeah. So twenty-seven twenty-five. Missouri goes up thirty-two twenty-seven. LSU goes up thirty-five thirty-two. Missouri goes back up thirty-nine thirty-five. LSU gets another touchdown uh, with three minutes left in the game to make it forty-two to thirty-nine. Missouri's driving. They're going, and they throw a pick six. Ooh. And the game ends forty nine to thirty nine on that pick That's six brutal. essentially. That is brutal. Yeah, it's a brutal way to go. Especially for a Missouri team. It felt like, man, they had oh, it. they had it rolling. Yeah, and like you really can't even be too disappointed in that because it's like, ah, oh, just you lost it by an inch. Right. So your season's not over. You have one loss. Yeah. Uh it felt like they had LSU on the ropes there for a while. I don't know. I mean, early on, LSU's defense was in shambles. They were fighting. There was some infighting there. So maybe the – I forgot the word that you would use when there's infighting. But maybe their program's starting to collapse anyway. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it really boiled down to, you know, Jaden Daniels ended up being kind oh, of the yeah. hero, which he is no shocker there. But 
Um, I mean, he ended up pulling away. He finishes the day 15 to 21 for 259 yards. Um, threw a lot to, um, threw a lot, of course, to Malik Neighbors. I mean, that's, that's essentially their offense is Jaden Daniels and Malik Neighbors. Yeah. Now, um, Logan Diggs um, has been, did a good job running the ball. He went 24 for 134 yards on the ground. So, a uh, pretty solid day for him. Um, I think Missouri's defense has left something to be desired there, and that's probably a, a bit of an exposed weakness of theirs. Yeah. Um, Missouri on the other side, Brady Cook went 30 of 47 for 411 yards, two touchdowns, but two very costly interceptions. Cody Schrader goes 13 carries for 114 yards on 13 carries. Wow. Give the dude the ball. Yeah. Um, Luther Burden goes off. I mean, we, we talked about it in our preseason. He's a guy that had to step up, and he did. 11 for 149 yards. So, um, he, he's been just cooking for him lately, doing a great job. Um, so, overall, I mean, it still looks like LSU has got a defensive problem. Um, so does Missouri, I think. But LSU can put up points. Yeah. I mean, it looks like a team that can absolutely just score with anybody. Um, they and still have yet to play a very good defense. That, that's true. They've not played a, a solid defense outside of maybe Florida State, but that was first game of the year. Yeah, that's it. Things happen, yeah. right? Um, so we'll we'll see what how they do. They still gave up a lot of points there. They did. They did. Yeah. Um, but we'll see how they do. You know, yeah. this week versus Auburn's defense, who's who's done better. So tell us about the Red River shootout. What'd you what'd you see in that game? It was a typical Red River shootout. Uh back and forth the entire game. Yeah. I know at one point Oklahoma was up kinda big, not like by twenty one, I don't yeah. believe. Don't have a two that though. But I was super emotionally invested, uh really pulling for Texas and they just could not get it done. I can't even remember the moment that I like looked up and was like, Oh, it's it's definitely over now. I want to say it was like there was a red zone trip that ended in nothing, and I was like, oh, you can't do that. Uh, biggest lead of the day was Oklahoma started out the third quarter. They scored a touchdown. They got up 27-17, yeah. to 17, so a 10-point lead. Yeah. But I agree with you. I watched a lot of that game early on. Yeah. Um, I was kind of flipping between that one and the LSU game. It started off slow. Yeah, it felt. Like that's why I flipped. just didn't turn on. That's why I flipped over to the LSU game because yeah. I was kind of bored with yeah. the shootout. It was, yeah. It was, it took a minute. And then the next thing I know, I looked up and it was like, you know, it was 20 to 17. They scored a lot of points like with, in less than seven minutes left in the first half. Yeah, it was, uh, it was just score after score after score. So Oklahoma scored a touchdown with five minutes left. Texas yeah. got a field goal with two minutes left. Oklahoma got a field goal with one second left on the clock. I think I think it was when Texas kicked that one field goal. Are you talking about the first half? Yeah, those first. Okay, half. I'm trying yep. to think of what happened in the game where I was like, Texas, you're not going to get be able to come back from this. Yeah, yeah, that game to me, from what I saw, it looked like um, neither offense could really. Oh, I know. Get going was. in that game. Go ahead. They they scored late very very late in the game but they scored too quickly and i was like you left way too much time on the clock yeah and it still wasn't a lot of time but oklahoma was able to drive down the field in like 10 seconds the whole game i think they left with like a minute 30 on the clock still yeah oh yeah okay so they they kicked a field goal to go up 30 to 27 with a minute 17 on the clock Mm -hmm. i mean a minute 17 
But Oklahoma the whole game. Hadn't after, scored fast. Huh? They hadn't scored fast all game, really. No, but they were driving down the yeah. field. They were able to like get into Texas territory within like two plays. Okay. And I was just like, what are y'all doing? Like, I don't know. I Once they scored and I saw them in at 17, I was like, oh, it's over. Oklahoma's going to score a touchdown. Yeah. I just felt it. They did. They they drove down and they uh they scored a touchdown to win the game. Um, so disappointed. Yeah, I was pulling for the Longhorns in that one. I wanted them to win it. So it's the uh, kiss of death as an Auburn fan. Uh, so Dylan Gabriel for Oklahoma uh, goes twenty three of thirty eight for two eighty five. Um, he was actually their leading rusher. Fourteen carries for hundred and thirteen yards. Pretty solid. Uh, Jalil Farouk goes five receptions for hundred and thirty yards for the Sooners. On the other side, Texas, Quinn Ewers has a stellar day statistically, 31 of 37 for 346 yards. He had one touchdown, but he had two interceptions. Two interceptions. It was like wrong timing interceptions, too. Yeah, those are, those are killers. Uh, Jonathan Brooks runs the ball 22 of 129, and Jordan Whittington uh, goes 10 of 115, and Xavier Worthy goes 8 for 108, so... I mean, they went off offensively. They really had a good day, but you're right. I think they had some costly interceptions. Just, um, one of their interceptions was in the end zone, wasn't it? Um, I want to say they. I think I remember that because that's when I was or I saw it and I was like, "Oh God, please don't do this. Don't toy around with them." Yeah, I want to know the penalties because I feel like I remember at one point feeling like Texas had a lot of penalties on them. Um. I don't know. I, we, we said it was going to be a crazy game. It, it always ended up is. being a crazy game. Um, and so, um, not, nothing too unexpected there. Speaking of crazy, though, did you see the end of the Miami-Georgia Tech game? That was the dumbest, so, stupidest call you could have ever made. What What are you thinking as a coach? So, so for the listeners here, if you hadn't seen it, uh, you can go check it, check it out on Twitter, um, at Brothers. Uh, we tweeted this out. There's, I think, less than 30 seconds on the clock. It, there's enough. There wasn't enough time on the clock as there was on the play clock. Yeah. Therefore, meaning, if you take a knee, the game is over. 30 seconds left on the clock. The um, other Georgia Tech has no timeouts. Georgia Tech has no timeouts. Miami is up by three points. They're up by a field goal over Georgia Tech. Um, and they decide to hand the ball off. Don't go into victory formation. They decide to hand the ball off. And what does dude do? He runs up the middle. He actually gets through the line. Well, Georgia Tech's like, hey, we got to get a turnover. Dude strips the ball out of his hand. They get the ball. Yeah. They throw one pass down the field, score a touchdown, ball game. I I, I was so mad. Like, not even that Miami I'm a fan Miami was undefeated. Miami. Not even that I'm a fan of Miami. Yeah, they were undefeated. But... It's just stupidity. There's so many questions. Like you, There's a lot of things that have to happen in order for that play to actually get run. Right. The offensive coordinator has to call it. Moron. The head coach has to approve it. Moron. Then the players. The players have to look at the, not look at the sideline because Miami had two timeouts. Yeah. So he could have looked at the sideline and been like, hold up, hold up, hold yeah. up. Let's go. Let's go check in. Or you could have just, as a quarterback, been like, "I ain't running that. I'm just act like I fell down. I <laughs> just fall down." Yeah, I mean, it, it was third down, so it wasn't fourth down. I mean, it was third and ten. He literally could have caught the snap and gone down and just fallen on the ground. The clock would have ran out. It'd been a ball game. They, they couldn't have stopped it. 
There was 39 seconds left. The play clock is 40 seconds. The game is over. The game is legitimately yeah, over. I, even if you, even if it were fourth down, like, now nah, I guess, if it, I mean, even if it were like there was too much time, like there's yeah. 42 seconds left. Yeah. They get the ball back with one second left on like their 30. Right. It just doesn't make sense. You still sense have a chance to, to punt it. Yeah. I don't understand it. I don't, yeah. I, uh, it didn't make any sense. It's mind boggling. It is mind boggling. I cannot. Like, think about it. So that was one upset. Out in the Pac-12, UCLA upsets Washington State. They beat them 25-17. to I did not watch that game. Nope. Uh, let's see. Uh, all right, Georgia and Kentucky. Let's talk about this game for a minute. We thought this was going to be a close one. Yeah. And it was pretty close. Not really. Georgia wins 51-13. to was a blowout. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't even close. No, it was not. It was never close. Not really. I mean, it's almost like Kentucky saw Auburn play Georgia. I was like, hey, they're playing pretty close. Let's yeah. not do anything that they did. That they did. It, see, it felt like early on they were giving the runs to Ray Davis around the edges yeah. and they were having positive yards. And then they had some penalties early on. They kept shooting themselves in the foot. They definitely did that in the first there half. Were, there, was there was a personal foul. Two personal point. fouls. Yeah. So one on offense um, when uh dude just – literally drilled a Georgia player. Yeah, was Georgia guy was already on the ground, and he decides he's going to pile drive him. And he does. And he gets the foul. Like, the ref was staring at him. Yeah. And it was a positive play, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure they got a first down. Oh, they down got, yeah, they, they did. They had a first down. So, so they knocked it back. Way behind, yeah. 15 so, yards. And then they and then Devin Leary gets sacked. Yeah. Um, and then I think he gets sacked again. I mean, I, you know, I think it was just two bad plays after two bad yeah. plays. Um, and it just... They never even got their foot on the ground to like really go. It felt like, yeah, and that and that, but that's why, right? Yeah. Like they kept doing stuff like that. They kept getting penalties over and over again, and you just thought it was so unnecessary. What are you doing? Yeah, you know, and it really felt like, and I heard uh, the announcers of the game kind of talking about this. It was like Kentucky was trying to match the physicality and the aggressiveness of Georgia, and they were doing it in all the wrong ways. Yeah, they were doing it like. Hey, we're going to play dirty. Yeah, they're which, doing it like they're like a prison team. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's like, like, it's all right to play a little dirty, but like. Sure. Pile driving a guy who's already on the ground that's yeah. already 10 yards behind the when play. When you've gotten a first down in a big game. Screwing your own team. Now's not the time for yeah. that. Um, um, yeah, so that was, a, that was a bit of a wild game. The one thing I will say about that game, though, is uh, Kentucky's defense is good, and Georgia went off yeah. on them. Fifty-one to thirteen, yeah. it looks like a different Georgia team compared to the one that played Auburn last week. Yeah, I would just say that Auburn's defense has got to be like number one in the nation after seeing that. I'd be curious to see what Al has to say about that. Yeah, um, I don't know what to think. That did look like a different team. It looked like a more complete Georgia team. They weren't just throwing it to Brock Bowers uh, over and over again. Which, by the way, Kentucky still did not cover him. Like, there was a debate on another Auburn show out there. Uh, about what to do with Brock Bowers. Oh. And there are options to do things with Brock Bowers to stop him from getting open. Kentucky did none of those things. So, <laughs> I don't know what to do when fans are pointing stuff out and they're not doing it on the field. Yeah. I, yeah. It makes you question everything. Yeah. It's like, Mark, could I go be a defensive coordinator? <laughs> I, you know, I think a lot of times these coaches overthink things. Yeah, they're out coaching themselves. Absolutely. 100% of the time. Thank you.
All right, Emmett. Well, uh, now we've got Al here with us uh, to jump on the call, uh, and we're going to break down the Alabama and Texas A&M game, but we got to get Al's thoughts on the game. Al, how, how'd you feel about Alabama uh, after week six? It's, um, I felt really good just because the way that, you know, the season started, it was looking like there's a lot of question marks and, uh, you know, it was a close game, but I feel like Texas A&M does have like the talent, even though they don't do a lot with it. So, yeah, I don't know. I came across feeling like defense is pretty good. The offensive lines continues to look a little bit better and, uh, they seem to be, I don't know, giving Milrow more of his style and a chance to succeed than they did early on. So it gives me hope that, you know, we can kind of still make it a pretty good season. Yeah, I, I, I think that's what I was sitting next to an Alabama game. We had a baseball tournament this weekend, and I was sitting next to him, and I think it was the, the very first drive came out, and it just sounded like they were trying to run, like, some of the original stuff they were trying to run with Milrow, like some, like... It wasn't power eye, but it, it felt like they were trying to run like some old school, you know, traditional football, and that's just not Milrose style. Um, and then it felt like they kind of changed that as the game went on. Right. Yeah, and he's still like he's inconsistent. Like he he throws like some deep balls that are perfect, but then he'll miss some. So I don't know. I think he's still gotta gotta get better. Um, but like. LSU looks vulnerable in the West, and so yeah. getting past A&M makes me feel like we're in a good good spot. To, obviously, we've got to take care of business, but for a while there, you just kind of worrying, you know, even about your chances of winning the West and things like that. So, yeah, there were a few games kind of on the schedule that early on it felt like Alabama had a a rough road ahead, but we were we were just talking about the Georgia and Kentucky game. And I think Alabama has them. Yeah, so Alabama's got them in a couple of weeks. But that game looked really daunting. It doesn't look as daunting after the way Georgia manhandled them. Um, no. No, and I feel like, you know, y'all played Georgia super close. Yeah. And I feel like people may have stopped giving Georgia as much credit as they probably deserved. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people liked Kentucky in that game. It's like, well, Georgia still has a lot more talent than Kentucky ever would. So, yeah, they they do, and so that's what like we don't know from an Auburn perspective. Yeah. Like, how how do you take that? It you made know? me feel great about Auburn. Sure, yeah. <laughs> seeing them blow out Kentucky. Like, we, we were making the, we made the comment. Clearly, Auburn's defense is top notch. <laughs> I mean, clearly we're up there. So, yeah, I, I don't know if I was an Auburn fan. I mean, like, I didn't watch the whole Georgia game, so, but it seemed like, scheme-wise, like, y'all played super well, and then, I, I, the takeaway for me is, like, if Auburn just has a, a couple recruiting classes to kind of fill the covers with what Harson, you know, left with his couple bad years, then... Yeah. You, you could be right there, you know, if the scheme stays good, which I know it's just one week, but um, 
but it, it's encouraging for sure. If Brock Bowers didn't go into beast mode, you probably would have beat them. So yeah, I mean, I think if Auburn even had a deep passing threat this year, we could at least be dangerous this year. That's really the one thing we're lacking in is passing the ball down if, the field. Yeah, feels like we just need one guy that we can hit deep yeah. every now and then just to make the defense back off a little I bit. I know we just don't have it yet. Yeah, y'all need like a first round recruit receiver i feel like auburn's always been able to run the ball they've always had a solid d you just need that you know huge receiver to get the the recruiting going but i think we got one guy coming in i don't i don't know you're talking about perry thompson oh yeah i forgot do you follow recruiting al not i just look at like our recruiting class and how we stack up and so i'll look at like the top ESPN top 300, but not not super closely. And that's over here. I was throwing a little jab. He's, he's throwing a little jab at you. So Auburn earlier this year in July flipped a five-star wide receiver recruit, Perry Thompson, yeah. from Alabama over to Auburn. Um, so that was a little a little Did nudge. Did you hear his reasoning? It was the dumbest thing ever. It's because uh, yeah, right. Hugh, <laughs> Hugh Freeze clearly knows how to – Develop. You know, develop wide receivers, and it's what does like, Nick Saban know? He's a DB guy. Like, <laughs> I uh, did think that was hilarious. Jones, Jerry Judy, Calvin Ridley, like, there's <laughs> NFL, Alabama NFL receivers everywhere. Weren't there, what are you talking about, Weren't man? there three in the first round just like two years ago? So. I know, like, which, you know, they've had some issues, like, some of them have gambled on their own games and been suspended, and others have... Done yeah. other things that we, you know, yeah, um, <laughs> that are, you know, not good. Uh, but but, some, have, some have been solid, so. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I get, like, Hugh Freeze is an offensive mind, but if you're just looking to get paid the NFL, I don't I don't think you thought that answer through. But I guess you got to say something. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I think it was. it's either that, like, he just felt the need to defend it, or, you know, it was something that Hugh sold him on, and I just sit there and go, man, Hugh is a great sell. Yeah, seriously. I mean, that is a great sell. Like, don't look at that NFL – uh, uh, entire roster. Uh, they could build a whole yeah. NFL team without. Alabama Don't look at that draft board that they've got over there. Just ignore that. It's all made up. So, but uh. yeah. But to your point, I mean, which Alabama too? You've got to get quarterback right at all with the transfer portal. I feel like if you want to make it in the NFL, you've got to be on a team that has a, a good quarterback that can get you, yeah. you yeah. know, the looks you want and. When we've had, you know, receivers with great success, it's kind of been receivers and, you know, the whole package, great quarterback play too. So I feel like you got to get that right. But I know Will Freeze knows that a lot better than I do. Yeah, he'll get. They've got a guy named uh, Walker White that's uh, from Arkansas. That's you know everybody calls him the next Tim Tebow because that's kind of how he's built and that's sort of the style of play that he has. So. Um, which I don't really like the whole, like, oh, this guy's the next, you know, whatever. It's like just, they usually don't ever, it doesn't ever pan out to be like that. Walker White's the next Walker White. Yeah, just let them be who they're going to be, and then, you know, don't put that. Because then you start to think, like, why why hadn't he done the jump pass yet? It's like, because that's not not what he's asked to do. I know. Yeah, like how I played in the audience, and 
get y'all fired up about Auburn, even though we're supposed to be talking about Alabama. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're a great guest, Al. We really yeah, appreciate it. I feel it. like y'all are going to take it there anyway, so I might, might as well just join you. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. What did you take away from Texas A&M in that game, though? Because I felt like coming in, and they got a bunch of – they. They did what I thought they would do in terms of, like, defensively. They got sacks. They put pressure on Alabama. Oh, y'all's defensive line looked good. But, yeah, but then Alabama came out and really, I mean, they stopped Texas A&M. You know, Max Johnson had looked really good offensively, and Alabama made him go 14 of 25, which is a pretty terrible stat, you know, overall. Well, I think um, one of, like, because he – a lot of people thought he underperformed with Will Anderson, but, like, Dallas Turner could be a game-changer. I mean, he, he crushed A&M. Yeah. And then I think our secondary's pretty good, but I think A&M's got really good receivers. Um, just that, you know, Muhammad and Aya Smith, and I, I think mm-hmm. – I can't remember the other one's name, but he was a freshman last year. I think he's their most talented receiver. But I feel like, you know – given the fact that they've just got a lot of athletes on the field that our secondary played pretty well. But I thought, I don't know if y'all were watching and thought it was dumb, but like they go for it on fourth down the first drive. And granted, if he wouldn't have got pressured, it would have been like a walk-in touchdown. But I felt like we got just enough pressure on him every time to, you know, where he could have easily hit like, deep balls and, and walk-in touchdowns. He just had a misthrow because we had someone in his face. So, I, I don't know. I, just, I thought that early one, I thought, what, you got, like, in this kind of game, you got to take points. Yeah. Right? Like, like, get points on the board. Like, you know, make Alabama see that you, that make them feel like they're behind. Right? Like, I yeah. mean, that that's what you've got to do. Well, it felt, yeah, it had that feeling like, you almost just felt they weren't going to get it, and it was going to, you know, negate all the momentum they mm-hmm. had just gained by this great drive. So I agree, and I, I feel like Lane Kiffin's the worst at it. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he sometimes is I think they overcoach and put too much pressure because you know they want to beat Alabama or whatever. Yeah, um, and don't make the the smart play. So no, we were just talking about that with Mark Stoops and uh, Kentucky, where it just felt like you know, like covering Bowers, it's like, hey, you just got to double-team him and check him at the line. Like, that's the best way to try yeah. to – you're you're not going to completely stop him, but that's the best way to do yeah, it. And then At least knock him off his timing. Like, Auburn showed you that last week. Like, cover this dude, and everything else sort of takes care of itself, and then they didn't do that. You know, it was just – it's like, did you think that what you saw wasn't going to be what was going to happen? Um, yeah, I definitely think they, they outthought it. But that's – that's kind of Jimbo's mo, um, and I feel like uh, I feel like Texas A&M fans kind of know what they have in Jimbo at this point. Like I don't know that, that he's ever going to get them over the hump. The, the fan base is split right now on Jimbo. Well, who and I know y'all um, go over every team, mm-hmm. but after this week, you know, obviously Georgia's on top till they get beaten. But do you feel like the SEC's down, and who do you think are the Strong teams. Oh, gosh. I mean, Ole Miss beat LSU. Ole Miss doesn't seem great. Like, it's just some weird things that happening. Yeah, so that was one of our talking points going into the season was it felt like there was – it felt like, at least on paper, that it was Alabama and LSU, and then there was, like, everybody else in the West, right? That was kind of yeah. – from a Western perspective, that was it. 
And on the east, it felt like Georgia, maybe Tennessee, and then, you know, Kentucky was there, and then there was, like, a big drop-off after that, you know? Um, and it felt like the east really didn't – they had a little bit of depth, but just not a lot of yeah. top-end help. Um, yeah. But it feels like now – it feels like Alabama is clearly in the driver's seat yeah. at this point because you've got – let me just look Your it up. Your next toughest game, I believe, is Auburn. And that's not me trying to be a homer. It's just, it's the Iron Bowl. Yeah, because y'all have got Arkansas at home, Tennessee at home, LSU at home. And then you go on the road to Kentucky. Um, Then you get Chattanooga at home. And then you go on the road to Auburn. You go to Jordan Hare. So it feels yeah. like, even though those next three or four are tough, like three of the four are at home, you know? Yeah, I still think um, there's some teams like, I don't know, I feel like some matchups always, like LSU is always a tough game. Yeah. I feel like Tennessee just played so good against us last year that that'll, you know, yeah. just be interesting to see how they do. But I feel like LSU always, always plays as tough. That is a, that is a rivalry. Yeah, the LSU game, I know it'll be a good game. I mean, no. LSU, they, they started out against Missouri this week and last week. It looked like their defense was terrible. But then, at the same time, their offense is putting up points left and right. You know, I mean, nobody can really yeah. stop Malik Neighbors and Jaden Daniels. Um, and then they've got Brian Thomas out there, too, that can also play. So Yeah, Missouri took the lead, and then Malik Neighbors was just, like, by himself, knowing that, uh, I don't know, it's like... How do you let that happen? Kind of like Brock Bowers. If there's one guy yeah. that you need to make sure doesn't beat you, right. it's that guy. Right. So. It's like, all right, let's stop everybody else, and if everybody else <clears throat> beats us, well, then it was just their day, you know? But Right. Um, as far as ranking SEC teams, though, right now? Yeah. I mean, I guess Georgia, number one, just because they're unbeaten. Yep. Then Alabama. Who is three? That's where it gets tough. I mean, I, I'd probably have to say Tennessee at this point just because their only loss was at Florida in the Swamp. Um, it was early on in the season. I think maybe they've kind of turned that around a little bit. Um, I'd say Ole Miss is up there, but Ole Miss's Ole defense Miss. is it's rough. I, it is bad. Ole Miss's defense is, like, really bad. But, I mean, their only loss is to Alabama. Yeah, uh, Texas A&M's up there too. I mean, they're yeah, they're a good yeah. team. I mean, they're a really. I thought I think Texas A&M going into the Alabama Texas A&M game, I thought Texas A&M's defensive line was the best in the SEC, and I think I still think that afterwards. But I think Alabama's defensive line stepped up a lot in that game too. Yeah, I was watching it thinking like they've got a lot of NFL caliber dudes on their team. Yeah. Um, which again is a a shame of just how poorly the last two right. seasons have done. Right. I, I know they hadn't done much. You know they've been okay this year, but they seem to underachieve all the time. So. Well, they they uh, I guess the other side of that is for, from Alabama's perspective. When we did the Alabama preview, I think one of the big things we had for Alabama was, hey, you've got Kevin Steele as a defensive coordinator. And the best thing, like, Kevin Steele is not a Brent Venables or, like, Auburn's got Ron Roberts now or Texas A&M has DJ. Like, he's not this guy that's going to call up all these blitzes. He is 
typically just I'm going to send four down linemen and then everybody else is either going to be in man or we're going to be in zone. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty much it, you know. And I think the best thing about that is if you've got talent, he just lets the talent play. And I think that's what you're starting to see Alabama, the guys start to figure out, like, which, what of their, like, on the defensive line for Dallas Turner, like, what if his his moves work? Like, what's his best move? You know, what's his move to do on third and long? You know, what does he need to do here? You know, he doesn't have to think about, am I dropping into coverage? You know, am I supposed to, you know, chip this guy, chip this guy coming out of the backfield? Or, you know, what am I supposed to do? Like, I think he's just got, they just go get the ball. You know, and that's all he's got to do now. Right. I think, too, for um, one thing for us of, like, they hyped up our O-line, and our O-line was terrible the first three games. But yeah. if they, like, start playing up to their potential and protect Milrow a little bit, I think it's a, you know, different I, ball game. So I think that's the key to our, our yeah. future is can they help us run the ball a little bit and be less predictable on offense, you know? So. From what I've noticed is that it's – from the games that I've watched, it's like mainly the left side of the offensive line. And I think that's where one of the freshman linemen are. So it could just be an yeah. experience factor on that. But still, yeah, we expected Alabama to be running the ball heavy this year. Yeah. And I know, but they're like, this is the biggest. They're all 6'5", 350, and then we play it. It's like – they're all really slow. <laughs> that, that's what I was about to say was was it seems like like I saw a few like mean hits in that game, you know, where like I know uh they're in the third quarter. Um I can't remember who the running back was that got it, but it was first down and he got like six or seven yards and then some offensive lineman just came out of nowhere and just came in there and just pushed him for an extra like three or four yards. But he bulldozed some bulldozed somebody. I mean, he just crushed them. And yeah. I, I thought, man, I was like, yeah, they're they're playing pretty ticked off. Yeah. Um, but you're right. I mean, I think that's the thing that gets them right now is if you're quick off the edge, you can get around them. But you know, you're not going to lean on them. They're going to lean on you over the course of the game. Yeah. So. Right. Um, but. But yeah. I thought Milrow came along in that game. It felt like he uh, he he played better um, overall. You're right. I think he's, I'll you know we're, I'll give you a comparison now. You're not gonna like it, but he's sort of like Robbie Ashford. If I'm totally honest with you, um, he 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 can like Robbie Ashford can drop the ball in in some spots, and you're like that was an incredible throw. And then he can throw it, and you're like, I don't know that that would have hit hit the broad side of the barn. Um, I mean, yeah. you know. I don't know where you, what you were looking at or what you were throwing at, but but then you know Jalen Milrow's got uh, he's so fast. Um, well, that's my thing with him. If you can utilize him, like if you remember watching, I'm not saying he's Tebow or Cam because they're like the best of all time. I'm just talking about as like as big of a dude and as fast as he is. I feel like there was a formula where those kind of yeah. athletes couldn't be stopped in college football. So like, yeah. how do we get to that? But, and that's what, that the, the couple of folks I was sitting with at the, at the baseball game, they were, they were Alabama folks and they were not happy about, um, uh, Tommy Reese as the OC, just cause it felt like he was trying to make Jalen Milrow be, a pocket passer and it's like hey that's mm-hmm. that is not gonna be this dude's style 
I've been saying it the whole season so far. Y'all need to be running Auburn's 2013 offense with Jalen Milrow. Run yeah. the read option, man. Like I wouldn't be bad at it. Like he's fast. <laughs> I know he would fast. dominate people, and he's a pretty big dude too. Like I mean, he's not. He's like that was the one I guess knock on Nick Marshall was Nick Marshall was tough to tackle, but he was he wasn't a very big guy, but he was slippery more so. Than Milrow tough. feels like a kind of guy that. He could uh, he could bulldoze a guy if he needed to. You know he could run somebody over if he wanted to. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So y'all have got a y'all have got a, t- a couple tough games. I don't know how how who would you be your top five SEC teams right now? I'd probably go Georgia. Us. I think talent. I may go Georgia. Us. A and M. It's LSU. A little, it's a little hairy now, then, doesn't it? I don't know. Can't think of five. Look <laughs> great. Uh, it, it it gets pretty squirrely there after that. But none of the teams. It's like none of the teams look great, but none of them look awful either. It's like they've all got something that's like, well, if they do this, they could win, you know. But um, Missouri didn't look terrible. Yeah. No, that was the first team we went over. Um, they've like really come along. I didn't. I didn't. We didn't have them making it to a bowl game this year, but um, we were wrong. We were wrong. On <laughs> it feels like now, but I felt like they also needed that win. I felt like if they had beaten LSU, that really would have. Uh, we'd be talking about how they. They'd could have a lot of belief. Georgia. Yeah, because they'd be six and zero at that point. So. Yeah. All right, Emma. So that was uh, our special guest there, Alex Lovern, on the phone with us to talk some Alabama football. I know we don't do a whole yeah. lot of that here on this podcast. We cover Auburn a good bit, but we needed to have him on after that big game, Alabama versus Texas A&M. Yeah, they learned a lot. They learned a lot about themselves. So we'll see how they do for the rest of the season. They've got a tough schedule coming up. I know there's a bye week in there somewhere. I think it's right before the LSU game. Um, but the last game we really didn't talk about was Ole Miss and Arkansas. Ole Miss wins that game 27-20. to 20. Emmett, what did you think about that one? I, it was a weird game. So, Rocket Sanders was back. Yeah. Um, didn't feel like he made that much of an impact, though. He didn't. I mean, he goes 8 for 15 um, on the ground. Um, I know he did have, yeah, he, he had three catches for 26 yards. One of them felt like a real big catch Yeah. Um, there in the game. But, um, yeah, he, he, he came back last week, and it was in the game, but he didn't seem like he was full speed. Felt like he was a little more full speed this. He was more full speed, but he still felt out of sync, if that yeah. makes sense. Like, he was able to, like, run people over if he wanted to. Yeah. But there were certain, like, dumb mistakes that he was making. Like, Picking for, the wrong hole. He got a fault start. Mm. The running back got a fault start. Yeah. That's, that's tough pretty to hard do. to do. Yeah. And he also fumbled it on the same play. So they even declined the fault start because the fumble lost them more yards than the fault start would have cost them. That's uh... it's a bad, bad thing going on. What I really thought about, though, was. Ole Miss beat this Arkansas team 27-20. Yeah. So I have a lot less worry about Ole Miss than I did after they beat LSU. Yeah. I, and it, now it felt like Ole Miss, this was a little bit of a trap game for them. Yeah. You know, they're, yeah. they're coming off the high of that game. Yeah. It's sort of like, I know in baseball, if you go out there and you score 20 runs in a game, the next game – you're scoring five, you're, max, yeah. max. I mean, you know, you're, you're not hitting the ball well. You look like a totally different team. It's just the law of averages. But I do think, you know, 
that this is the roller coaster of Ole Miss. Of Lane right? Kiffin. And Lane Kiffin, where they can come out there, and if they're clicking, <clears throat> they're hard to stop. Yeah. You know, but if they're not, I mean, then they, they stop themselves, you know? Yeah. Um, that, that's what the game felt like to me. Um, it also felt like Arkansas, even against that weak Ole Miss team, Ole Miss defense couldn't get more than yeah, 20 points. And you have supposedly the next Cam Newton at quarterback. Yeah. And Bo Jackson at running back since that's what y'all treat him like. Right. And we've been saying it from day one. I don't know how many Arkansas f- listeners we have, but learn your place in the SEC. You you are the Vandy of the West. That's where you belong. I, You know, and I like it's not hate. It's like legitimately like, why did you come into this season – what what prompted you to think we're yeah. going to do something special? Yeah. And you could say the same thing to me because I was over here pumping 10-2 for Auburn. And clearly I didn't have a reason to believe that. Now, I still think we can... 10-2 still on the table. It's still on the table, yes. But we have to learn how to pass them all. We, we do got to learn how to pass them. I, I think it's just because of the wide receiver room uh, and the transfer portal. And yeah. It's just It was just a miss. We didn't get the guys that we thought we got. No, we did. You know, we went out. You know, Hugh Freeze typically goes after receivers with a lot of size. He went after those guys. Didn't get or didn't necessarily go after. And I don't know if they because they weren't available or he didn't feel like he needed them or whatever. But he didn't go after guys that were just super quick and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it is what it is at this point. I do think some of it is scheme. I think some of it is um, uh, the reads that Peyton Thorne's making, all those kind of things from. From Auburn's it's, perspective, but it's getting better, and that's the best thing that I can say is like I can see improvement week to week. Sure. Um, again, if if we just learn how to throw the ball twenty yards down the field, yeah, we become a dangerous team. Yeah, yeah, I um, agree. So, but but Ole Miss, Arkansas. Yeah. I mean, it, it felt like I know we got off on the Auburn tangent there somehow. Shocking, <laughs> but uh, you know, it felt like, like we said it a couple weeks ago. Seems like Sam Pittman's seat is just getting hotter and hotter every yeah. week. Um, they're two and four right now. I mean, that's that's tough to say. They are two and four right now. Well, I saw an Arkansas fan. God bless him. He was like, "Where do you see another win on the schedule?" And well, let's, a lot of Arkansas fans are like, "I might see two more." So I've got it pulled up. Uh, they they go to Alabama next. That's their next that's game. That's an L. That's an L. You're gonna lose that game. You're not winning that game. Uh, then they get Mississippi State at home, potential win. Yeah, potentially. They go to the Swamp to play Florida. I think Florida wins that game because it's in the Swamp. Yeah. But those are two probably evenly matched teams. Yeah. Uh, then they get Auburn at home. Feels like Auburn's in a better position than they are. Yeah. I, I don't think that's a guaranteed win for Auburn at all, but it feels like Auburn's yeah. in a better spot. I feel like Auburn's the favorite. In right theory, now. we should win that game. Uh, FIU, they should beat that team. And then they play Missouri. Missouri's not a win for them right now. Unless Missouri just falls apart. So, we've got them winning. They get FIU, so that's three and four. Mississippi State and Florida, that's, that's what, five and four? I, I don't even count Florida. I think Florida beats them. I mean, Florida didn't even look bad this week. To go bowling, to go bowling, they have to win four more games. I don't think they do that. So they've got to beat. You're not beating Alabama, and you're probably not beating Missouri right now. They got to beat Mississippi State, Florida, Auburn, 
and FIU. So you got to get three out of, I mean, you've got to win. All, you've got to win Mississippi State, Florida, and Auburn, and FIU to go bowl. And it ain't looking good for them. And you got to keep. You got to do all that with a already shaken up running back. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And then I'll miss. I have no idea what to think. They get a bye week this week, right? Uh, before Auburn. Yeah, Ole Miss is on a bye week this week. Um, here, let's pull up the helmet schedule we got here. So, um, yep, bye week. Yeah, so Ole Miss is on a bye week. Mississippi State's on a bye week right now. You've got LSU versus Auburn in Baton Rouge. You've got Arkansas and Alabama in Alabama. You've got uh, Texas A&M at Tennessee. That's a big one. Who you got there in that game? I think Texas A&M bounces back. You think Texas A&M bounces back? Yeah. That's a good matchup um, in terms of their skill versus Tennessee's, right? I mean, I think it's just a – I think they'll be able to stop Tennessee's rush game for sure. And then it's going to come down to can they sack. And they will. They'll get enough sacks against – Joe Milton. It, I just don't think Tennessee's pass rush is as good as Alabama's. Yeah. And that's really what was stopping A&M. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So, ten, that'll be a big win. That'll yeah. be a big sign to me as to whether Jimbo can actually get the job done Bouncing back from a loss is a huge thing. Absolutely. And if they do that, then you're talking about, I mean, you look at the rest of Texas A&M's schedule, then they've got, they've got a bye week after, South, after Tennessee. Then they've got South Carolina at home. They go to Ole Miss. That'll be a little bit of a tough game. Mississippi State and then ACU and then they've get um and then they go to LSU to wrap the season up. That LSU game's always a tough game for them at the end of the season, but it's the end of the season at that point. You know, feels like they're probably the favorite in the next three or four games. That Ole Miss game's gonna be, you know, pretty tough. But yeah, they, they've got to bounce back against this Tennessee team. Um who I thought would Probably be showing better. I think Tennessee's in a better spot. Tennessee was on a bye week this week, yeah. so um, they do have that advantage going into the game. Um, let's see. On the other side, uh, Florida has uh, goes to South Carolina um, for a big game for them. Uh, Georgia gets Vandy, so they get a bye week there, and then they get an actual bye week after that. Um, Let's see, Kentucky gets Missouri, so that's a pretty good matchup there. Yeah. Two five and one teams. Yeah, it's battle for second place there. It is. Um, big competition there. Um, I think that's it um, for the SEC. So um, we'll break down those games, you know, one by one uh, later on in the week. But uh, it seems like uh, some pretty good matchups uh, coming into week seven. Yeah. And throws of, of the SEC. Yep, the gauntlet has begun. It has. All right, so that'll do it here for us today on the Beham Brothers. Uh, thanks to Alex for joining us today, our special guest, uh, bringing us all your Alabama Crimson Tide thoughts um, today. Don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Beham Brothers for all your SEC news, stories, and more.